everybody stand with us this morning as we open in worship. We sing about the days of Elijah. Love this song. Sing along. These are the days of Elijah. Declaring the word of the Lord. These are the days of servant Moses. Righteousness being restored. What a great song. What a great song. Awesome truth, awesome reality. Good morning, Sunset Hills. How you doing? Good morning. Good morning. My name's Eric. I'm one of the pastors here. So glad that you joined us this morning. Happy Mother's Day. Let me just be one of the first to say that. Obviously, you've hopefully had Happy Mother's Day, Happy Grandmother's Day, and we're so excited for moms. What is that old phrase, the hand that rocks the cradle? rules the world, right? I think I've heard that before, and I would believe that to be true, especially as I look into the eyes of my mom. 
And she's saying, I can still whoop you. <laughs> so, hey, listen, uh, we're excited that you're here. If you're new with us, thanks for joining us. We love the fact that you've chose to be with us in our public gathering and worship service. Hopefully you got a bulletin on your way in. There's a connect table right outside in the lobby. We would love to say hello to you, meet you. You can text hi. We would love to get into a conversation, introduce our church to you. We even have on June 11th the opportunity for you to come to what we call Discover Sunset Hills. It's just a meet and greet. We feed you. We provide child care for you. And we just want to say uh, that you're welcome here and we want to just minister and serve you any way possible. So with that... I just want to thank you for coming. Now, if you would go ahead and just have a quick seat because we're going to show a fun introduction to the busyness and the reality of motherhood. So take a look at this. Mom's going to love this. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? She deserves it. She's a great mom. Okay, what are we missing? We got the eggs, the juice, the muffins, got the bacon, cereal, oatmeal. Dad, nobody likes oatmeal. Hey, I know we got chocolates for your mom, but there was something else that she wanted for Mother's Day. What was it? Was it a new Bible? Look how worn out that thing is. Dad, gotta start watching out for these things. I bet it was a spa day. I bet it was a new car. Uh, definitely not a new car. She's basically my personal Uber driver. We could both use the upgrade. <laughs> no. Was it those fuzzy socks? Dad, you get that for her every holiday. She has like a thousand of them. Is it one of those candles that she puts in our bedroom? Hold on. Why does she only put that on my side? What was it she wanted for Mother's Day? Dad, remember what mom wants for Mother's Day. What's that, buddy? The sleeping! Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. We clearly owe you brunch after church. <laughs> what you owe me is a nap. Yes, yes, we do. <laughs> well, happy Mother's Day, ladies. <laughs> Stand with us as we continue to worship, as we sing about our friend, our friend in God. Sing along. Oh 
us this morning. Lord, we thank you that you would leave the 99 to go after the one lost, that we mean that much to you. Lord, we also thank you today that you are still a mountain mover, you're a miracle worker, and we praise you today, Lord, and we know, and faith by believing, we know that you will move those mountains and give us that miracle at the right time when we need it. We believe in you, Lord, and we trust you, and we love you. And Lord, we also thank you for our mothers today, who we know also would sacrifice, have sacrificed, and would lay down their lives for their children if they had to. Lord, we praise you today, and it's in your name we pray. We love you. So I was thinking as Eric said something about the hand that rocks the cradle, I was thinking about that in my own life and I thought, well, the after part of that is this, the hand that rocks the cradle was the same hand swinging wildly in the back seat at all four boys. We learned how where we needed to sit in that car. If you sat on this side behind the driver when mom was driving, she couldn't reach that far back. If you sat over here, it was the same deal. But if you sat here, if you ducked, you'd hit the third person in the car. And we learned to duck pretty good. And it's like, Mike gets slapped. I didn't do anything. It's him you should have gotten. But that's how it was in my house. Was it that way at your house? Anybody get slapped in the back seat or tried to get slapped in the back seat? Yeah, Eric's got a child that said in the middle of that. So, um, well, happy Mother's Day. I'm glad that our moms are here, and congratulations to you. Um, Cole, my, our son-in-law, who's married to our daughter Emily, came home the other day, and she, he had gone and gotten some gifts for Emily, and and came in and whispered to, to Eli, one of our grandsons, said, hey, I've got this, these things for mom. I've got a box of chocolate and a card. Don't tell her. Hey, mom. Dad's got presents for you. And Eli thinks you ought to share the chocolate with Eli. So much for keeping a secret at Cole Emily's house. It may not come as a surprise to many of you, but I want to admit this. I have a problem. It's one I've been dealing with for many years, and I have struggled with it on multiple occasions. I'm confessing it to you today. And even though I'm confessing it, there's not much you can do to help me overcome it. So don't come up to me afterwards and say, hey, I think I can help you with your problem. You can't. Uh, actually, my wife's been working with me on this for years to try to over this, overcome this problem. And she has great advice on how I can handle it. Believe me, she's got advice about it. For the most part, she's been patient with me as I've dealt with this problem. But from time to time... She gets fed up with my problem in spite of her best efforts to help me. It's my problem, mine alone to deal with. 
here's my problem. Often I would start a project, work earnestly on that project, make considerable progress toward completion of that, and I don't finish it. You thought I was really going to have a serious problem, didn't you? <laughs> well, actually, I do, but again, you can't do much about it. It's the problem's me. But my problem is that I start tackling projects around my house, and not all of them, but quite often I will get to those projects. And, and you know, the hardest thing for me about a project is really starting a project, psyching myself up to get started, but once I do, I'm pretty diligent of working on that project until I'm just about finished. I get really close to completing the job, like 95, 97% there, and I struggle with getting to the point that it's completely finished and I can step back and say, while the job is finished. If you were to come to my house, I could take you around and show you several different incomplete projects that I have failed to complete, and some are only months old, while others have really been hanging over my head for years. In some cases, as time has come around for me, I have delayed finishing that particular thing like it's like there but now the time has gone so far that it's time to remodel the project that I never finished that was my wife laughing at back there at that by the way some cases just really wear me down in fact let me just show you one of those things that I have started that I never finished. Kelly, come up here and be Vanna White for me just a minute. Here, here, let's see. Um, here's a project, not completed. It's, uh, no, it's not that. <laughs> It's a shadow box. There are times when I think that you should have your head. I should have your head in a place like that. I mean, here's the door that goes with it. You know, it's like not finished. In fact, um, I, I've got some more here. Look here. Can you keep holding these things? Yeah. There's another piece. It doesn't go with that, but you can hold it there. Uh, here we go. Here's two sides that have already been... A lot of time and effort has gone into cutting all that out right there. Look at that. Yeah. Um, here, this goes with it. I mean, can you see? I mean, I've done a lot of effort in this. Oh, but here's a, here's a perfectly cut arch that I worked hard on to go with the project that I haven't ever finished yet. I mean, oh, you know when I started these? Like, when my boys were like 10 and 8 years old. Brett, would you please stand? Andrew, would you please stand back there at the sound booth? I mean, like, it's been a few years. Just look at them. I mean, 
that, that's, looking, that's looking pretty good, is it not? I don't know why I had three. I only had two sons. But I, I would start at three. Oh, wow. I really made some progress on this one. Here. I got the wheels on it. I even have the top cut out for it. There's a headlight. It's falling apart. Here's a headlight. I don't know where the other headlight is. I mean, wouldn't this really be cool to give to your sons? At some point when they were... Do you all still want them? No. You have sons you could give them to. Like father, like son. That's all I can say. So, I mean, you get the point. Is there anybody else in this building like me on this? Nobody? Thank you. Finally, there's four that are five, being honest. I noticed it was just men who raised their hands, though. No women. I don't know why I can't overcome this problem that I have with finishing things. We've been in a series called Three Words, where we have looked at how three words used in Scripture are very powerful words, words that through the course of history have become very precious to believers, those of us in the church. And used in different forms of these words, I started with uh, standalone words of ask, seek, and knock. And uh, then we, a couple of weeks ago, looked at three words from the very familiar verse. You could probably say it with me. It starts as this, for, what's the next word? God so loved. For God so loved. Then we followed that, uh, or this morning... I want to continue that pattern of looking at a trilogy of words, and actually, Eric suggested these words, and when I, he sent me the text, I thought, wow, that, that's really good. In fact, if you've got three words that you think would be a good sermon topic, you can go ahead and send them to me. I think it would be kind of neat uh, for you to do that, and when I get your three words, I will give you a call, we will talk about it, and I will invite you to come and preach those three words as we're doing. No, I'm teasing. If you've got some words, then do it. But the three words that we're going to talk about this morning were spoken when the one who spoke the words was in horrific pain and agony. They were spoken at a very difficult time when this person had great difficulty just getting the breath to breathe, let alone trying to say anything at all. Spoken actually just minutes before his death, maybe even a shorter time than that. What are the three words? Someone's already ahead of me. It is finished. It is finished. As Jesus hung on the cross for those six hours, he would 
be able to speak seven different times, words that have become so familiar to us in our Christian faith, words often associated and heard around Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. Each of those sayings of Jesus, while he hung there, battered and beaten on the cross of Calvary, Calvary certainly had specific meaning and carries immense significance for our faith, to our faith. The different sayings were, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The next one was, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. He's talking to a thief who was hung on the cross with him. You're so familiar with that. And then he shares, as he looks down, he sees his mother there. He says, woman, Behold your son. And then he cries out. I can almost get emotionally tear up over this. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And God turns his back on his son because of what Jesus had done. And he says a very human thing. Two words of saying, I thirst. And then the sixth and saying that he says, the words we're going to talk about this morning, it is finished. And then finally, as Luke records, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Now, I wouldn't take anything away from the importance of any of those sayings, for they all have great significance and certainly many sermons could be proclaimed as to the magnitude of the importance of these words to our faith. But three words, actually three words in our English language convey the accomplishment of the plan and purpose God had for Christ to come into the word, world and those words are it is finished. Actually, in, our, in the original Greek language, it's only one word, tetelestai. Tetelestai means it is finished. It's accomplished. It's completed. The work is done. It stands finished and always will be finished. To tell us that was an everyday word at the time. If you were to use the word today, it might mean something like this. Hey, Junior, how are you coming on mowing the lawn? And Junior would come in and declare, to tell us that it's finished. Or you might ask one of your employees how they're coming on with the work on the report you wanted them to, to per, for, perform for you, and the employee would say, to tell us it's completed, it's done. Or it might be that if you've been paying on your house for 30 years and house payments every month faithfully, and you just made your last payment, and the lending company would send you a, a deed of reconveyance, -convey meaning the debt, the debt that you've been paying on is paid in full. 
Or maybe this one on a rare occasion when I've completed a project in my home or my shop and I step back and I exclaim to Telestai, it is finished, the project, it's complete. And the work, oh, wow, look at the work. It's excellent. According to Scripture, witnessed by John, Jesus proclaims to tell us die. It is finished. If we back up and you go to the scripture that's talking and describing of hours before, you would be familiar with the time that Jesus goes with his disciples into the Garden of Gethsemane, and there he prays. He's praying, Lord, is there any way at all that you can take this away? I know what's coming. I know what's ahead. Is there any other way that this could happen? And yet Jesus prays this, I have glorified you on the earth. I have, I have finished the work. He's proclaiming hours before. He says it again on the cross. I have finished the work which you've given me to do. And when Jesus cried, it is finished there on the cross of Calvary. The work of Jesus Christ was completed. So what does that actually mean? Well, before we look at these, what these words mean, let's quickly... Look at what they don't mean. They aren't words spoken by a man who utters them out in a voice of defeat. Nor was this a bemoaning whimper of, well, I gave it my best shot. I tried hard to get them to see their need to have you first and their lives. I almost made it. All that says defeat. Like, I'm done. It's over. Better luck next time. Surely Jesus was dying as he was saying these words, but rather than succumbing to the cruelty of the cross that always produce death for punishment. His life, like all the others, had not been taken from him. Rather, he had given his life, meaning that he had complete control over all of the events that happened at Calvary. So when he says, it is finished. It is with authority that he has earned, that he has a right to. He is able to say it is finished, and when he does, it's victorious. He says with authority of stating the mission is successfully completed, not in absolute defeat. So when Jesus says it is finished... He's not referring to the end of his life. Rather, he's completed the task that he's assigned to do. It's a cry of victory to tell us die. A victory for mankind. 
Jesus had fulfilled the plan and the purpose of why he came so that man would have a path to salvation. He completed the work specifically that the Father had sent him to earth to do. And everything that God would require necessary for salvation when Jesus says it is finished, the work for our salvation had been completed. Everything needed to be done was done to atone for our sin. This perfect life of righteousness was given to present atoning sacrifice that had been completed. That was his purpose. The Bible tells us this in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. You know who that is? Me? You? See, when Adam and Eve sinned, God placed a curse upon the world, the people, the animals, the plants. and the very ground, God demanded punishment for human sin. A price had to be paid, and the price, according to Romans 6.23, says this, the wages of sin is death. That was the price. And as a result of Adam's sin, we, mankind was destined for condemnation. But God, in His rich mercy and His love for us, He put together a system by which human beings could, could find pardon from sin. And those, those Old Testament days, God killed an animal with Adam and Eve and, and, and made garments for man and woman to cover up their nakedness that brought them shame. And in that situation, an animal had to be sacrificed. An animal lost its life. And the prescribed sacrifices from then on, the life of a spotless animal was offered to a holy God to atone for sin. Sacrifices showed mankind the need for repentance and for an intercessor. Hebrews 9.22 says, Without shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Your sin, my sin, the sin of the entire, entirety of mankind, there had to be shedding of blood so that there would be forgiveness of sin. It would cost. In doing so, God paints this picture of what he would do thousands of years later when this perfect Lamb of God was led to take away our sin. Let me say it a different way. Was led to be sacrificed. Was led to shed his blood so that he could take away our sin. It was just as John the Baptist had proclaimed, Behold! the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's a painful sacrifice that Jesus has to endure, and that's why He came to this earth. 
Now you're very familiar with this verse. You've probably heard it many, many times. Let's put the other, some more verses with it where it explains it. But God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That probably is one of the most used verses that I use in sermons over the years more than any other verse because of its importance for us to know he demonstrated that love towards Steve and that while I was and am a still, still a sinner, what did Jesus do for me? He died for me. But then he goes on, verse 9, much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were... We just sang that about that. I am a friend of God. You sang joyously about that. You sang out on that. Wow, it was really good to hear you sing, I am a friend of God. What made you a friend of God? Because once you were an enemy, for when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. We became God's friend through the death it costs for us to become friends with God. There's the death of His Son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Do you get what's being said there? And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through the, our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. You didn't get it any other way. You can't get it any other way. When Christ was victorious on the cross, he made a way for us to be delivered from the penalty of sin. Our sins couldn't be taken away. They could be taken away only by the blotting out by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You get it? Quite simply, it's this. Jesus took our punishment and did what we could never do. Now, let's be cautious here because there's nothing more we can do than what's already been accomplished through Christ. There's nothing more that we need to do. Oh, sometimes we get it all confused. Say, well, if I'll just do enough good works, then everything's going to be okay with God. If I'll just try a little harder, give a little more, then I'll be friends with God. You don't have to do that because the price has already been paid. The work has been done. The finished work of Jesus Christ is sufficient. Nothing, nothing more needs to be done once you accept this gift. And how did he do it? He took the full force of God's wrath and paid the penalty. It is finished. You know what that means? Every sin, 
has been paid for. It is finished. We don't need to do anything more. We can't add to anything that Christ has already accomplished. To do that would cheapen what He has done. The demands for justice were met. And the requirements for God's holiness were satisfied. And the awful debt that we incurred was paid on the cross. So our sins have been paid for. The debt owed to his father is paid completely forever. Not his debt, but ours. The author of the great old hymn had it right. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. Oh, wouldn't it be terrible if that song had just ended right there? This woman, sorry the name slips my mind right now, who wrote this, but it was written back in the 1860s or so. Early on, you can check it and maybe find something different from this date. I'm going from memory, and it's not working too good this morning, so you just hang in there with me. But this woman, she was sitting in church one day. She was in the choir, and she um, was listening to a preacher go on and on and on, something that you don't have any idea about that. And uh, he's praying, and he's praying. That was a joke, folks. And he's, and he's praying. And the prayer just keeps going on and on. She loses interest in the prayer. And she starts focusing on this thing that Jesus did. And she starts writing those words. And the words begin to come to her. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. So if you get bored in my sermons sometimes, just start writing hymns. Bring them to me as she did. We'll match them up with Callie, and all of us will make some money off of the hymns that you write, okay? It's finished. It is finished. Oh, there's much more that was finished on the cross, like the sufferings of Jesus that he endured while on the earth and especially in his last hours all that was over with and God's will for Jesus was accomplished in perfect obedience to the father the, the, the son who had no sin well that had come to a completion he doesn't have to live that kind of life anymore actually more than 300 promises and more than 300 prophecies about the Messiah had been fulfilled when he says it is finished. Of great importance, the power of sin and Satan was finished. Satan's ability to have power over us. When Jesus said, it is finished, it ended then. 
He said, well, Satan's still in the world. Yes, he is, and he's seeking to destroy and, and, and reigning darkness over mankind. Sure he is, but only for a short time because his reign is going to come to an end. And one day his time's going to be up, and the work will be finished because of what Jesus did. Jesus foiled the plan of Satan on the cross. But the crowning jewel, I believe, of the proclamation that Jesus makes, it is finished, is what he accomplished for me and for you. My sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Isaiah 53, 6. The Lord... I just let the gravity of this verse sink in. The Lord has laid on him the iniquities of us all. Why would God do that? Well, there's only one plausible explanation for this obscured action this absurd action. God so loved. It's the perfect bookends to the three words, God so loved, it is finished. He didn't go 97% on the project. Sometimes I wonder, why is it that I just can't seem to do that last 3 to 5%? Why can't I get done with this? Because they just, it just bugs the daylights out of me that, that I have these unfinished projects. Every time I lay down on the couch and I look at the TV against the fireplace where we added an addition on 20 plus years ago the exposed brick is still there and where the drywall of the ceiling comes into the brick the builders left a crack around it oh I'll take care of that I'll put some um, uh, crown mold up around it one of these days do you know there's no crown mold I still look at it I don't even notice it much anymore but it's still there. Why? Why Why do I get to that point? Because I lose interest? I become bored with the project? I get tired of doing it? I move on to other projects that I think are more fun to do especially when these are hard to, for me to complete. Where life just gets busy and whew, I'm almost there. I'll get to it tomorrow. Aren't you glad God doesn't look at me and you? So well, I've tried my best 
that I've lost interest and I'm becoming bored with this person. Aren't you glad that God doesn't look at you you and say, I'm tired of you? Aren't you glad that he hasn't moved on to other people and say, that's it. Now, there is caution there. He might do that. He might do that if you continue to say no. Your time may run out. But the reality is he's still pursuing you. You just may choose to reject him. Aren't you glad that he doesn't just look at us and say, Have you looked at the world lately? Man, there's an awful lot going on, and I'm sorry, I just don't have time for you anymore. No, with God, what He started with His love for you will not end until it's finished. Philippians 1, 6 says, And I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue His work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Aren't you glad God finishes what He starts? So I ask you a couple of questions. If you were to die today, do you know that your sins have been forgiven? They've been washed away by the blood of the Lamb. Do you know that? You see, this is a gift of what was finished, what was completed on the cross cross became a gift given to us but like any other gift we have to receive that gift we receive that gift that's when we know that our sins have been forgiven when we ask for the gift to be given how do you do that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead you will be saved For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It really is that simple. Do you know, if you were to die today, that your sins have been washed by the blood of Jesus? If you know that you belong to him, then rejoice. Rejoice that it is finished for you. The Holy Spirit speaking to your heart. In a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation to invite you to come and just settle things with God, either by praying in this altar, by maybe you want to come and talk with me. I'll be happy to spend some time with you now and later, if need be. If God's saying, leading you to Make sure of where you are with your relationship with Him. Whether you have been saved or not, maybe there's something that you just need to come and confess. 
to God. The altar is open for you. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you for these powerful words of what Jesus did on the cross for us, that we can have that forgiveness and we have direct access to you because of the reconciliation, the making of things right so that we could have that right relationship with you, not in how we tried to accomplish, but in what was accomplished in Christ Jesus. There's one here, Father, that needs to settle things with you this morning. I pray that they'll have the the courage to step out and come to this place we call the altar. Maybe to give their life to you, maybe to ask questions of what our next steps or maybe just to settle things of when they gave their life a long time ago and they just haven't been living right for you since. Maybe there's some other reason, Father, today on this day that you've set aside would we give our lives our hearts in complete obedience to you in Jesus name I pray amen please stand
Father, I do pray that if we sing, able to sing those words a moment ago, that they really are words that we truly believe in, that truly affect our lives, and has made a difference in who we are to know that you love us so much. seated please amen thank you for being here this morning so thankful that God has not given up on us thank you for that word Steve uh, I want to take just a moment and uh, bring you up to date on just a couple of things going on here uh, VBS is coming up and as you well know that's a, our biggest opportunity to reach out and uh, for our community especially for this age group um, June 4th through the 7th, 6.30 to 8.15, a short period of time for uh, four nights, but man, what an impact this has. If you are looking for an investment, a time uh, that you can put in with an amazing return on investment, uh, this is just a great time. Uh, so many students, we're believing, are going to uh, draw closer to God, the one who created them, and, and uh, so uh, we'd love for you to be a part of that. Danny, come on up and talk to us about men's ministry and a project you guys have coming up. Good morning. Yesterday we had our last men's breakfast before the summer break. Now we will be starting back in August, but at every breakfast I always ask a team building question and this one I asked, uh, I said, guys, what would you like to do over the summer as an activity? And we got some really good answers. We got some great responses like fishing or going to the Corvette Museum. Uh, I would say almost all of the recommendations were pretty good except for the one that Pastor gave. I so, think we ought to have a men's swimsuit competition. <laughs> <laughs> we have decided, Steve, we're gonna reject that idea. It's a uh, good thing. We'll never have anybody come back to church after that. <laughs> but. I will share with you that the one idea that really hit home, and it was a lot of men brought this up. David Lambert says he wants to do a calendar and he'll be on the calendar front page. No, we won't need David's help on that either. But <laughs> the, the idea that came up that I, I'm really excited about is that we wanna do some service days. And I thought, well, that's a great idea. And I thought, you know what, let's start with our own congregation. And so this is what I'm asking you for. If you're a widow or a senior couple and you have some needs that you just can't get done, I want you to tell us. Tell us, tell the church, and I mean simple stuff. Maybe you need some yard work, you need something fixed. Now I will not be the one fixing anything. I will share that right now. Uh, I don't own any tools, and so I won't fix anything. But we got plenty of men that can. I, I will share with you, I did a visit to a, a lady's home one time, and we're sitting there, and it was getting dark, and I said, why don't you turn the lights on? And she says, I'd love to, but the light bulb doesn't work. I said, what do you mean? She said, well, it went out like a year ago. I said, 
You've been sitting in the dark for a year. She said, well, I'm afraid to get on a ladder to change it. You know, she was so happy that I changed that light bulb for her. Now, I know that sounds a little simple, but I know that you have some things that you would love to get done, and we have a bunch of men that would love to help you. I mean lots. So I want you that you can send it to me, or you can send tell a pastor or a Sunday school teacher, anybody for the next couple of weeks, I want a ton of ideas, and we're gonna put some service days together. And we're gonna come out and serve you. All right? So can you do that? All right, good. Hey, before we uh, dismiss here, I uh, just want to give just a quick update. And I do want to let you know, we, we talked a little bit about it last week. Um, as many of you know, um, Troy was scheduled to um, have a transplant for um, his liver yesterday. And um, as we got really close to that time, it turned out not to be the perfect liver for him. And his mom just wanted me to share with you all, we are trusting God. God's going to be faithful in this. And um, it's, it, we know that liver is on the way. So uh, we are just trusting in him. And, um, I will let you know that one of the great ways that you can keep up with him is through our church realm. Um, if you can imagine, um, there's a lot going on there, and uh, that family's being uh, overwhelmed sometimes with just texts and things like that. So uh, a, a great way that you can keep up with, is through our church realm. Um, our students have a channel through Instagram that they can keep up. But just want to let you know that. We thank you for your prayers and all that, and we're trusting that God is, is that liver is just going to be right on time, and it's going to be perfect, uh, but we, we love you for believing us, uh, believing with us for that, so let's pray as we uh, dismiss. Lord, we thank you, and God, we thank you for your work in our lives, God, that, um, that Lord, you're not finished with us, and God, um, we're so grateful that we are all a work in progress, too. Lord, as we go up about in, into our community, Lord, uh, we just uh, thank you, God, for this great family of believers that we can do life with. But Lord, we're not called just to um, huddle here, and, but God, we're called to, to go out onto the field and to reflect your goodness, love, mercy, and everything that we do. God, we love you so much, and we thank you, God, for your faithfulness in every situation. Your son, Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have a great week, everybody. Hi, good morning. This is Kelly. I want to take a moment to personally thank you for joining us for today's live stream. I hope today's message was encouraging and inspiring for you. You know what? We would love to hear from you. If you're here today and you made a decision for Christ, or maybe you just have a simple prayer request, we would love to know about that. You can text the word prayer to 615-776-1807. One of our pastors will be back in touch with you. Hey, if you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to see you in person. You can join us for life groups at 9 a.m. or blended worship at 10 a.m. Let me say this, from your youngest family member to your family member that has the most years of life experience, we have a place for you. You know, I believe that we're living in unprecedented times. People all around us are looking for sources of hope. And you and I, we both know where that hope is found. We have a God who loves us. And he wants to meet us right where we are. But you know what? He loves us too much to keep us there. So come and join us, whether online or in person. We would love to shake your hand, give you a smile, and 
do life with you here at Sunset Hills. Have a great week, everybody.